This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford. 90.1 FM. Ryan. Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Ryan. Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. The growth in the number of Latino-owned firms in the United States is outpacing growth in number among other firms in the nation. In fact, the five-year average growth rate in the number of Latino firms has remained at double or even triple that the national average for the past 15 years. All this growth presents a great opportunity to expand the U.S. economy, and data shows the importance of Latino new businesses in the whole economy. Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative has been doing research about the state of Latino entrepreneurship and small businesses for the past two years. Their latest research surveyed a national sample of over 4,900 Latino-owned businesses. Today, we talk with Eutikio Ortiz Chapa and Natasha Rodriguez Ott about their research and about the presentation they did at Stanford University with all the data and this big event and important guest they line up for a morning at the Semec Auditorium at Stanford University. Tic Chapa is the program manager of the Stanford Latino Entrepreneur Initiative, part of the Central of Entrepreneurial Studies. And Natasha Rodriguez-Ott is the research analyst also for Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative, or SLAY. So stay with us today. We will be talking a little bit about all this data, also about the seminars and about the presentations and the research that the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship do every year, and also about their past and future events. And remember that this and all our shows are available at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org and that you may find more information about new shows and new events in all our social networking sites. Stay with us. And here we are again in Atene Americana, and today our guests are Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative. For that, we have Eutikio Chapa and Natasha Teresa Rodriguez today with us. And welcome. Thank you for coming all the way here to Stanford. Well, you're not that far away anyway, but <laughs> for coming to the station. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Tig, you are the head right now of the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, about the organization. Well, and and uh, Isabel, you you met us when we first started, yeah. um, not so long ago, 
And mm-hmm. so I've had the chance uh, had the chance to be the first full-time employee with Professor Poras uh, and would love to talk more about that journey. I know one thing we really want to highlight um, is the research that we've done and that you've had the chance to see. And, and Natasha led that. And so I'd love to have her introduce herself. I, I know it's been exciting to be from the first employee to now a, a, a bigger team. Um, but we'd love to say more about uh, that work broadly um, and have Natasha share um, herself as well. Yes. Yeah, so Natasha, you, you did this uh, great report this year. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what is your uh, background? What is your profession? What kind of research you do other than this? Sure. So I finished my PhD here at Stanford through the sociology and education policy departments. And I finished that last uh, summer and was really excited to join the Slay team here because they're, we're doing great research on Latino entrepreneurs, not just in the Bay Area, but around the country. And so in our work, we were, um, we've been surveying uh, we've been serving Latino entrepreneurs at different stages of their businesses, business um, life cycles, and trying to find out more about what do these businesses look like, who do they serve, and dis- um, dispelling misconceptions while also finding out new information about how we can help these businesses grow. Hmm. Right. And and it's been a, it's been an exciting ride. I think at the end of the day, we want to help Latino business owners grow their businesses, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that on the research side. Our community of over 4 million Latino business owners in the United States, we want to make sure that we understand both who we are, where we are, but also where the opportunities are and, and challenges. And, and so for me, um, Tik Chapa again, from the Salinas Valley, uh, King City is where I grew up. And we have one stoplight in our town, and, and I'm proud to, <laughs> proud to say. Um, but from a, a family, like many Latinos, from a family of entrepreneurs, and so... My mom and dad, uh, since as long as I can remember, have run a convenience store. And and, um, for me, one thing that I think about is for so many of the businesses that we research and study, for so many of the businesses that we bring to Stanford for our executive program, that we know as as the business goes, so goes the family Mm -hmm. and so goes the household. And so for us, it's been exciting. It's been challenging. And at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our Latino entrepreneurs continue to grow and scale because we know when our entrepreneurs lead the way, we know that that strengthens our community, helps us build wealth, influence, and really make sure that we as a community have the opportunities that we need to really drive the country forward. Good. So you've done uh, already two seminars. Uh, You are preparing for the third one. Uh, Can you tell me a bit about... Uh, those seminars that you do and now this year you're planning to do two in this year yeah and, and it's been exciting i know israel you talked to us before we had done any research just about and before we had brought our latino entrepreneurs to stanford and so mm-hmm. like we as 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 you mentioned we do two things our national research and we'll con- you know continue to come back to it and also our stanford latino entrepreneur leaders program so that's our executive education program We've had three cohorts of 80 Latino business owners from across the country. And so that's been over 210 Latino entrepreneurs have completed the course. And it's been exciting to build that community from Austin, Texas to New York, New York. We have folks from from the middle of the country. And it's been over, and I want to get this right, but at least over 20 states that we've had Latino entrepreneurs come from. Mm -hmm. And what we say is wherever there are businesses, 
they're Latino business owners. Mm -hmm. And so for us to bring over 200 entrepreneurs in the, in the last year and a half to Stanford to complete our program has been exciting and powerful. Um, and for us, what the program looks like at a high level is a six-week program where our entrepreneurs, when selected, come to Stanford for kickoff weekend where you have lectures and workshops. After kickoff, you have six weeks where you continue to run your business at home. And over that time, digitally and remotely, you have your homework, your curriculum every week, and we make sure you stay on it and do your homework. Mm -hmm. We have a weekly mentor call, so we match you with a mentor who the majority have led businesses, been successful, had exits, um, or invested in successful businesses. We also have weekly webinars, which focus especially on capital. And when we know that we as Latinos don't have trouble starting businesses. We do that at a rate that exceeds almost all of the communities in the U.S. And we don't have trouble starting businesses, but we know that that growth capital and that growth, especially to get to that million a year in revenue uh, or to get to that A round for our technology companies, that that's a big challenge. So come to Stanford at the beginning, six weeks at home and online, you do your homework, you have your mentor, and you have uh, weekly webinars, you come back, final day at Stanford, excited and, and, and engaging the rest of your cohort. And we have more workshops, lectures, and also set up one-on-one -on -one conversations with investors for each entrepreneur. And so for the entrepreneurs that are raising or look to raise, which is many, they're great conversations for different um, venture capitalists, angel investors, but especially for our brick and mortar companies, we make sure they can talk to, to banks, different debt providers. There's some alternative um, dollar opportunities that exist as well, which serve uh, primarily uh, diverse businesses. And so it's been exciting to, to build that community. Um, I think for us, the focus always is how do we help you as a business owner grow your business and think about not just doubling, which is very hard, but how do we help you get to five times your current revenues, your current growth rate? How do we get you to 10 times thinking about how to get to 10 times the size that you're at? So that's what we always come back to with our program. Okay. And how many people locally? Because a lot of those apparently are from our states, but yeah. you also have people from local businesses. Absolutely. So I'd love to have from we have from San Jose to to the East Bay in Oakland and then further east we have from Marin um, all the way down to Salinas, um, and we had uh, some applicants from from um, more coastal, but for us. A core part of our, our community has been our Bay Area Latino businesses. Mm -hmm. They were the first to hear about us um, and have continued to be great champions. And so we'd love to continue to have more and more Bay Area Latino businesses. And one thing that we come back to as the primary criteria for, um, for our program, where we're at now is that the overwhelming majority of our 80 businesses in each cohort they are at a million a year in revenues and or, especially for the technology companies, that they've raised $500,000 of external capital. Mm -hmm. And so that million a year in revenue mark or 500K of external capital, we know not everybody's there. Mm -hmm. And we'd love to have everyone apply. But most of our companies are at that stage. Mm -hmm. And for us, we really want to make sure that we can support companies um, who are at that, that the level where they really can scale, have figured out product market fit, have figured out how to get their business off the ground. I think for businesses a bit earlier, we're, we don't have programming yet at that level, 
when folks engage us, we do share other opportunities and want to be better at engaging our businesses who aren't quite there. We know from, from our research, at the moment, about 2% of our Latino businesses are at that million year in revenue mark. Mm -hmm. But we also know that's over or nearly 100,000 Latino-led businesses who are bringing in over a million in revenue. So it's exciting. It's a growing community. Um, and the barrier has, and barrier entrepreneurs, like many of you listening today, uh, have really helped us build from the ground up our community and our program. So have you had any metric? What, what happened to these businesses after they leave your program? Yep. And so the first cohort went through our program not quite two years ago. And so they are the richest cohort uh, in terms of tracking and data collection. Concretely, we've seen on the technology company side, a lot of people able to raise that kind of growth round. And so that's been exciting to uh, see our technology companies go from that, that friends and family round of funding um, or small seed to then be able to raise a larger seed or institutional capital. So from, it's from VCs. So mm -hmm. it's been exciting to see entrepreneurs get that funding, especially the technology entrepreneurs. On the brick and mortar side, we've seen folks who were at 10 to 15% growth annually get that to over 20%. We've seen in terms of how our entrepreneurs work together, we've seen a lot of collaboration uh, between both people getting business for each other and doing business together, but also helping people grow regionally or even nationally. And so that's been exciting to track, especially from the first cohort and to see those wins and to see people grow, get huge contracts or big contracts, new partners, new clients, break into new markets has been exciting and really to help people grow their growth rate, access capital in a way that they hadn't been able to before, um, that's been very exciting. So what we tell people is uh, apply to our program and the community you're a part of and the network of investors, mentors, and fellow entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. it just exposes people nationally to opportunities that they oftentimes hadn't had the chance to, to engage before. So you, you mentioned that you had some stores, that you had some tech people. What kind of business come to your program? Exactly. So every and all type of business has come to our program. And mm -hmm. what we talk about and, and when we switch to the research side, we'll talk more about is in any industry, uh, there are Latino business owners there. In any region, there are Latino business owners there. And what we know is at a high level, are Latino businesses and business owners over-index in growth industries. Mm -hmm. So it's not that um, we pick industries that don't grow or that are small opportunities. We do know that Latinos over-index in growth industries. For us, what our program looks like in terms of type of business, any type of business from all across the country, around two-thirds are brick-and-mortar companies from regional manufacturers to someone that has five storefronts of their restaurant all the way to staffing uh, agencies and um, uh, marketing firms that have you know that are now at over 50 employees and 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 serve firms globally so all types of businesses uh, about two-thirds of our cohorts are brick and mortar again broadly defined mm -hmm. and about one-third are, are technology companies or traditional startups and so when we know so many of our latino business owners like yourselves many of you listening who are building your business and you have your storefronts, have the office, um, or or sometimes they're not, or out and about at, at, at a, with the site or with clients. But over two thirds of our businesses are indeed for brick and mortar companies. Um, what we some people think of us as, you know, or they wonder, are you only for tech companies? And 
Well, we love our about one third of our tech companies that come in from across the country. We, we know that we want to really serve the whole segment of Latino business owners. And so we really, uh, we really make sure and aim to do that. that today we are talking with Tick Chapa and Natasha Rodriguez from Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative. Stay with us. from the research about the state of Latino entrepreneurship. And uh, then we'll talk later about that great event you had uh, this year in the SEMEC Auditorium right here in Stanford. Uh, so, but tell me a little bit about about the research. What did you find? Yeah, so it's really exciting that we have this research to supplement the education program. And we often talk about it as the backbone because we want to do evidence-based uh, program curriculum development and really providing tools for these entrepreneurs that come out of our research findings. So when we find out something is a barrier or something could possibly help Latino entrepreneurs from our research, so we want to, we can implement that through our education program. I think one of the most important findings from our research this past year, when we reached over 5,000 Latino entrepreneurs around the country to ask them about their businesses and their operations, we found that most Latino companies are integrated into the broader market. So we're not seeing that Latino Latinos are, are operating their companies, serving just Latino, um, just fellow Latinos, employing fellow Latinos in uh, ethnic enclaves, if you will, like mostly mm -hmm. Latino communities. But we're actually serving the broader community across the United States and able to operate in a dual market where we're reaching non-Latinos and Latinos as well. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of data about the growth and uh, how much of the chunk of the economy do we have uh, between small business and also some not so small business. So only about 2% of Latino companies, as, as Teek said, are over a million dollars in revenue. But mm -hmm. this, do this doesn't mean that we're only serving, um, that we're only able to serve a small portion of the economy. Mm -hmm. We have a huge power to contribute to the economy in terms of revenue and sales mm -hmm. and in who we're employing because Latino companies are, we do have a high um, high percentage that are, that are employer companies. So mm -hmm. we're bringing jobs to our communities. Mm -hmm. And these companies are um, are also, since they're serving both mainstream and eth and ethnic groups, mm -hmm. they're able to reach out to a broad groups of consumers. So there's a lot of power there. I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Teek. Uh, I think there's about, well, um, Latinos have about $1.3 trillion dollars spending in spending power. And this is really powerful for us to be able to tap into. Mm -hmm. And then you also had differentiated between uh, U.S. Latinos and mm -hmm. uh, immigrant Latinos. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of talk in policy um, and in the media right now about immigrants and what the contributions are, what's going on with immigrant policy. So for us, we were interested in finding out what percentage of Latino-owned businesses are immigrant-owned and what kinds of contributions are they making. We found that around 30% of Latino firms are owned by immigrants, so people who are coming from the U.S. rather than being born coming to the U.S. 
U.S. rather than being born here. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, we find that of the businesses that have over a million dollars in revenue, over 40 percent are owned by immigrants. So there's even there were immigrants are over indexing and ownership of these more successful companies. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful to think about the impact that Latino immigrants are having here in the economy. And also you differentiated between Latino business that started with Latinos and other business that they acquire, that all business that they acquire. And it's also, you know, talking about the entrepreneurship part, about 24% of that chunk of, of business is actually starting from zero. They were kind of startups. So uh, Latinos look pretty similar to other groups in the U.S. in terms of how what proportion are starting their businesses alone, which proportion or how many how many of these companies are started from scratch versus being acquired. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, not something that we've seen as a difference. So which is interesting when we think about how Latino companies are saying they aren't able to scale and earn more in sales. Like so they're not, it's the problem isn't in how they're starting their businesses. There's something else going on that's stopping them. And, mm -hmm. and one thing that we think about and, and our data really points to is many of the assumptions that people have about Latinos mm -hmm. and Latino businesses are wrong. Mm -hmm. And these are things that I think the general country might believe or, or, or folks that are non-Latino. But these are also things that I think sometimes we may start to believe as Latinos as well. And so as Natasha mentioned, Latino businesses over 75% are in a non-Latino community. The business itself is, is not in a Latino neighborhood, but rather outside. And, I, and if Natasha, correct me if I'm wrong, also over 75% serve the whole market, so customers of, of all types. Um, we know that our, our businesses, again, are in over-index and high-growth industries. And we also know that, as Natasha just pointed out, it's not the way we structure our business or the type of, you know, the ways we incorporate that, that can drive... Um, potentially a lower ceiling, if you will, on growth. So so we know we're serving everyone. We know we're everywhere. We know we're in growth industries. And it's not there are not kind of fundamental things about how we start our businesses that are limiting us. And so for us, when we kind of wipe away those assumptions or, or um, misunderstandings, we, we then start to look at, as Natasha mentioned, well, what's working? And part of the core parts of the research were what's working. And so we looked at our millionaire plus businesses. We looked at those who had 50-plus employees. And we looked at folks who had, and Natasha, correct me if I'm wrong again, um, but employee growth above a certain percentage. And so we, wanna, we looked internally for what's working. Again, also wanting to dispel this notions that Latinos are only in Latino businesses serving only Latinos in, in Latino communities. So I think it was exciting to look at What's working for our successful Latino businesses? I see that another thing that people might get wrong, a lot of the Latino business owners in percentage have bachelor degrees or higher. So they, they do have higher education, well, in all the variety that business they may have. How does compare that with the national numbers? It's a great question, not something we actually have good data on. One of the reasons we've turned to collecting our own data here, the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative, is because we don't know much about about business owners around the United States, Latino or not. And there, there's um, data that's collected every five years or so by the census and some smaller surveys that are done regionally, but uh, unfortunately we don't have many data points on all businesses around the yes. U.S. Yeah. Oh, okay. But for, yeah, for our Latino folks, so especially, and we do know that a, a, a good number of our Latino business owners do have degrees. We looked 
a bit at, at, at background of our entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, but we also know a critical mass, especially if our successful is defined by 1 million plus in revenues or over 50 employees, are started by folks who, who do not have uh, college degrees and who many times are, are immigrant founders. And so to see how successful uh, a huge segment of our community and a huge segment of our business owners is mm-hmm. without that kind of formal education has been, I think, an affirmation of what many of us know and believe, mm-hmm. which is that um, kind of through our grit, if you will, through being able to, to self-finance, which is a challenge and not not optimal, especially when you look to growth, but to, to piece that together at the beginning um, creates, well, you know, our, fo- our a lot of our business owners are able to work through that. I think on the more personal anecdotal side, we see a, a good number of our 80 entrepreneurs, every cohort, who are not... Um, who didn't go to college or who have never and who have never been to a place like Stanford. And so when they come, it's it's exciting for us to learn from them and all of the the successes and and lessons that they've learned. What we're able to share, I think, among other things, is, is frameworks where they can think about the real insight that they've gained in their industry, in their region and run their business. They have real insight that's hard earned. But I think some of these frameworks can help them. Uh, better understand the the lessons that they've learned, help them better apply them. So it's less that we, you know we learn so much and the community learns so much from every entrepreneur. One thing we do like to share is kind of these frameworks or or, or other core lessons, so people can really share and really leverage the things that they've learned in new ways. But we just we know for every again for every su- su- successful Latino business owner, it looks like the whole distribution of, of Latinos in the country from Mexicanos who uh, were immigrants and and started working like so many folks in, in the Salinas Valley and with, I fa- with my family, but many successful Latino entrepreneurs, Mexicanos who are from agriculture areas, worked in the fields. We know in, in Miami and New York and folks who are uh, grew up in those communities but weren't born there. We've seen great successes. Again, Texas and when so many Latino entrepreneurs are there uh, of all backgrounds and from our Tejanos who are Tejano first versus anything else. Um, a lot of successes there. And then, you know, up in the Northwest and, and in Washington and, and, and even Oregon um, in the growing Latino communities there. Again, all backgrounds mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, in terms of academic preparation, in terms of professional background. Um, and then we also see unbelievable growth. And we haven't had a whole lot of businesses apply, but some from the South. Mm-hmm. And we see unbelievable population growth uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line. I think if, if I understand what that means correctly, but, but in the south of the United States, in the southern states, huge population growth and an increasing flow of, of successful entrepreneurs from those regions. Thank you for listening to Atenea Americana, your house of culture in the radio and online. In this bilingual show, I bring you every week one hour in English and one hour in Spanish, opening a window to the cultural Hispanic world. You can hear in the intro and at the final of the show, as well as right now, music from the legend of Latin jazz, Oscar Hernandez. This and all my shows are in stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org, where I wait for your comments. I invite you to be part of this. I remember that today we are talking with Tick Chapa and Natasha Rodriguez from Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative. 
you get to all these businesses? How do you spread your word? On the on the program side, uh, again, we aim to have Latino business owners from every corner of, of the country, every business, every background to apply. For us, a core part has been through partners in each region. And we've really had uh, unbelievable partners um, a number of chambers who have really been our champions from Mark Madrid's chamber in Austin, Texas, Omar Duque and our friends in, in Illinois, to friends in Arizona and, and Leah Marquez Peterson um, and in the, in, the, in the greater Arizona, Tucson and Phoenix area. So in terms of how we get the word out, a big part is our chamber partners and regional partners. Another huge, and especially as the program grows, a huge component and driver of, of our word of mouth outreach are our over 200 alum. And for them to have a great experience for them to build the community in their cohort and to take that home with them has just been unbelievably powerful and a lot of the people that opt into a apply and, and b that are a part of the program they're already leaders in some way in their communities and we're trusted in some way by, by fellow latinos and fellow latino entrepreneurs so we get the word out through partners through alum of our program and a huge part and when we talk about research really as a foundation and the base for for what we do programmatically is when people hear about the research that we have and have done, they learn about the program as well. So for us, I think research always is the foundation and a whole, a, a huge audience of people learn about us through through our annual reports and events. And, and it's been exciting to see those folks come to, to then want to engage the program as well. I think that the, the strength of this ecosystem across the country and us being able to reach out through different business organizations is so important. It's great for the growth of our organization and being able to contact people around the country, but it's also great for Latino business owners because this means that we can tap into each other's networks and help each other to do business and to learn more about different resources out there that maybe business owners wouldn't have known about before. Here in California, the, the business owner ecosystem is even stronger. Over um, more than one in two Latino business owners is connected to some business organization, like the trade associations, chambers, things Teeks, Teeks mentioned. And that's really important for being able to get information to each other and learn how we can help each other grow our businesses and figure out what's working and what's not. One thing that we come back to as well is that we want to grow the pie of grow the pie, if you will, of opportunity of wealth. And so, one of the things that I think we help people better understand or we affirm in the entrepreneurs that we bring is that we can broaden their or help them broaden their understanding of the markets that they can reach. So I think oftentimes in regions, there can be a small number of Latinos leading in an industry or space. And at some level, as they continue to grow, almost bump into each other, if you will, whether that's federal or state contracting work whether that's serving the segment in their state or region in their particular industry. And so what we really strive to help people uh, not just hear but believe or, or further believe is that we're growing kind of the, the pie of opportunity. And so we've seen um, that it's hard. You know, there are some places where there's a small number of, of, of their uh, potential clients or customers but we really come back to the more that we work together as Latino businesses, as a Latino community, the more that the, the pool of resources and opportunity grows for all of us, um, especially as we look not just citywide and regionally, but, but statewide and nationally. And for the folks that do look at the regional and, and national levels, 
we do a small bit of work and a growing amount of work to help them look internationally. So we just know, you know, sometimes it seems like resources opportunities are, are minimal in terms of customers and clients, but we really want to help people understand the more we work together as Latinos, the more connected we are, the better it is for growth and, and scaling and growing your business for all of us. And what kind of seminars or instructors actually, who, who is going to be teaching this year, for example? Who, who are the people entrusted with the, the event? So we have, um, we've had three core Stanford faculty be a part of our program. And, and really the driver, who we haven't mentioned yet, is Professor Jerry Poras. He's from El Paso, Texas, um, and an acclaimed author and the only U.S. Latino faculty member at the Stanford Business School wow. that's been tenured. And so for him to, to continue to drive this important work is, is both inspiring and, and also we think about similar to we do in our program is how do we build um, and grow this current generation and next generation. And so Professor Jerry Poras, um, along with former students of his from the business school, are, are the drivers and creators of, of the whole initiative. In terms of the faculty in our program, Professor Poras leads the way. Professor Huggy Rao, uh, he's going to um, I would try to say his full name, Hayagriva, but I'm, I think I'm getting that wrong. But Professor Huggy Rao is a, a faculty member at the business school, and it's his curriculum uh, that is the foundation of our program. And so his recent book and curriculum is called Scaling Excellence. And the focus is to really help companies both think about um, and operationalize how to grow, how to scale. And so when we think about what is that distinction of, you know, continuing your growth, which is a challenge for any business, but then really scaling um, as we think about it is thinking about how do we grow five times, 10 times what we are now, right? How do we go from a $2 million um, citywide business to be a $20 million regional player and longer term to be a $200 plus million company that's, that's operating at the national level? So Professor Boras leading the way foundationally and Professor Huggy Rao, um, his curriculum around scaling excellence as the foundation for our program. We have um, a new addition and support and faculty member uh, that Natasha can talk about, but Professor Paul Oyer has been a, a great and new asset uh, to the program as well. Yeah, Paul Oyer recently became the co-faculty director of the Center on Entrepreneurial Studies at the Graduate School of Business, which we're a part of. Mm-hmm. And he is a professor of economics there and has done a lot of hands-on work with entrepreneurs around the country, finding out what their businesses are like, how they grow. And um, it's great to have him aboard helping to lead our research mm-hmm. and also be involved in the education program, offering some of his wisdom from speaking with entrepreneurs around the country to these, uh, these business owners going through the program. And, and you mentioned that yeah, everybody in the program will get a mentor. Are they also going to be the mentors or you have other people to mentor? Yep. So students? so the faculty serve, especially when people come to Stanford, uh, lecturing, to helping deliver workshops. And they're also the faculty and especially Huggy, um, the driver and core part of the curriculum. Our mentors, that's a, another um, growing and, and really powerful and, and unbelievable segment of, of the community that we're building and the ecosystem that we're building. So the mentors, um, we have 40, just about 40 per each cohort. And so we have a number that have been a part of each of the past three cohorts, but we also want to make sure that every class, every cohort, we have a new uh, group, of, uh, a new number of mentors as well. But our mentors, their backgrounds run the gamut from running Fortune 1000, um, 
scale companies to having been uh, having having had successful exits uh, in the technology space to folks who are investors and and have been doing that for a long time. And we also have a number of domain or or functional experts. So people who have done um, marketing for huge companies that that advise now or or serve. Um, corporations or, or companies at that scale. So we've had, we have successful entrepreneurs, we have great investors, and we have people who really have domain expertise and, and have really helped businesses grow to that 100 million plus mark and, and really reach that scale. Um, and we want to make sure every every course that we have that our mentors um, you know, continue to look more and more like the role models that we really want our, our business owners to not just aspire to be, but, but to become. And so that's been exciting to have the mentors of all backgrounds, but fundamentally what ties them is they've been a part of growing very large successful businesses and they share those really concrete insights um, with their mentee with the business with the business owner yeah and I suppose you pair them because they have some similitudes between the mentor and the and the business they're gonna be mentoring uh, absolutely and so we ask every participant when selected what are some core areas they'd like you or they would like to be mentored in um, and then we match them with someone with that functional expertise. Um, and so our mentors, you know, we have a, a great um, Stanford GSB alum who's from New Mexico. And so she asked that she she mentor um, a founder from New Mexico. I think we have some great, um, actually also out of the Southwest, a mentor who has grown over uh, 40 million, not over $50 million company. And he was part of an early cohort. And now he, he wants to mentor people um, who are at a similar stage or near it because he's learned so much going from not just one to 10 million, but 10 million to 50 million. So wow. it's been exciting to to have mentors um, at this level with this kind of expertise. And, and it's fun to match them. And, and for the most part, we're not perfect yet and we'll never be perfect. But for the most part, um, the mentor relationships are strong and, and can often grow into to real friendships. Um, but we want to make sure that these folks who are connecting every week, that they can learn a lot uh, from each other. Great. Remember that today, in Atenea Americana, we are talking with Tic Chapa and Natasha Rodriguez from the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative, and that you can find this and all our shows at stanfordhispanicpodcasting.org. Stay with us. Tell me a little bit about that big event you had at the CEMEC Auditorium here at Stanford, where you had a lot of big names like Robert Murdoch and Saul Trujillo, well, among um, other people that came and talked to us about your research and about the state of Latino entrepreneurship. Sure. We were very excited about this event this year. It was um, extremely well attended. And so this was our second annual State of Latino Entrepreneurship event. Mm -hmm. And this year, we were fortunate enough to have Rupert Murdoch and Saul Trujillo there to help discuss the research and talk about the implications for the general economy. So mm -hmm. we 
we're it's very important to us to not only do this research and have good data backing programs and possible changes that could happen for Latino businesses, but also to get this information out there and make it relevant for people in the broader economy and in the broader media. And mm -hmm. so having those people there who are very experienced in growing businesses and in being involved in the U.S. economy, they can talk about the importance of Latino businesses and paying attention to and helping this community grow. Mm -hmm. And what were your intakes of what they had to say about the importance of Latino entrepreneurs other than yes, they're important? <laughs> yeah, one, I, mean, I think what was really exciting was to hear them answer some of the questions of the entrepreneurs in the in the audience. We had a number of alumni there over the education program, and they would ask questions such as, like, what like what, what kinds of advice do you give to a Latino entrepreneur that's just starting out and looking to grow and maybe someday become a multi-million dollar company like theirs, or a billion dollar company? Mm -hmm. And um, like one of the questions, um, uh, one of the answers around this was to take risks and to not be afraid to um, to go out and ask for the external capital and to start up a new network and jump into a new organization that you have to be willing to take that leap to see what's possible for your company. And it, it was exciting. I mean, the the energy, especially um, when Natasha was presenting the core findings, was, was, was great and exciting, I think, for us to be able to share um, these insights and, and Natasha leading the way to have her share these insights around how powerful and how many of our Latino businesses that exist. She had a great slide around where we are um, as a community of Latino entrepreneurs across the country. And so, you know, for core states, um, we do have a critical mass of our businesses there, but we have businesses everywhere. And also, as we mentioned before, these insights that she has driven and we've uncovered as an initiative that really flip on their head a lot of these assumptions that people have. And so to have those insights be um, unearthed, understood, and then really um, helping empower people for, for them to know, you know, as a business owner, you're part of a community that is strong, that is serving the whole country, driving the whole country forward. Um, for, our, our business, um, for our business owners, I think we really continue to want to remind them and, and all of you that, that you're not alone even when it feels like it and, and you are really part of, of this broader community nationally who is strong and growing stronger. I think for the researchers that were in attendance, um, and Natasha mentioned a bit about this before, not a lot of people understand what our business owners in the country look like, um, let alone our diverse and our Latino business owners. So the researchers there um, were the ones that, that we hadn't worked with, we're, we're impressed and, and want to work with us uh, more and in different ways. And we're excited to work with more researchers and faculty and, and want any and all people interested in publishing in the space, especially um, academically with peer-reviewed articles and in and, and peer-reviewed journals, um, but also just broadly if you're a researcher at a think tank, at a local nonprofit, um, or anyone who, who wants to publish, share research and knowledge around Latino entrepreneurs, and many folks across that spectrum were there. Uh, we're excited for that. And then there's this investment class of people uh, in Silicon Valley, people think of venture capitalists, angel or, or seed investors, um, but also our, our large banks, um, multinational banks, are thinking more about and rethinking how they fund small businesses and lend to small businesses. Um, we also have our you know community development financial institutions, so, so more regional um, lenders and, and institutions are looking at exactly this. How do we provide the capital to help our small and medium-sized businesses grow? Um, and I think the work that, that Natasha has driven and we've done really helps open people's eyes uh, in the investment class to see this is an economic opportunity. This is a growth opportunity. And we know 
that kind of growth capital, there are reasons that we're not accessing it at the rate that others do. Part of it is we're not plugged into the networks, whether in Silicon Valley and San Jose Road or whether in New York for a regional lender that could help um, someone go from a $3 million company to $30 million. We as a, as a segment, as Latino entrepreneurs, oftentimes uh, not socially plugged in to those networks that would then essentially, uh, in some ways, provide us as a, as a class of entrepreneurs the, the benefit of the doubt. So, so in terms of attendees, exciting um, at the event to have our business owners, exciting to have fellow researchers. Uh, it was exciting to have investors broadly um, and also aspiring entrepreneurs to know, and especially our Latinos, again, that, that there is support there. You are part of a community. Um, I, some advice. I'll, I'll try to stay away from advice or being prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the, well, I'll stay away from that, but also aspiring entrepreneurs and for them to see just how big of a community they are a part of or will be uh, was exciting as well. It's rare you get that diverse of an audience in one room to talk to each other. So afterwards, entrepreneurs were able to talk to investors and <laughs> like you have people coming as representatives of the SPA. Mm-hmm. They're interested in hearing about the research and knowing if there are any entrepreneurs there th- that they can talk to. And they're really excited. It was really exciting for us to help make those connections. And we, in a sense, have become a hub for mm-hmm. um, for not just Latino work, mm-hmm. but for these entrepreneurs to be able to connect with people who can get them different resources, like be they an investor, a mentor, a business mentor, or someone outside of, of, out of their business area who's just interested in introducing them to new audiences mm-hmm. or new possible economic opportunities. Hmm. How did you get the data for your research? Where did you get it? Yeah, so our survey, um, our most recent survey, we reached almost 5,000 Latino entrepreneurs. And as I said, these were around the country. A lot of our data came through proprietary databases um, mm-hmm. where we contracted out finding Latino business owners. It's, mm-hmm. um, as you can imagine, I mean, there are four, over 4 million of them, but there's mm-hmm. it's still kind of hard to find all of these people and to take surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also used our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so reaching out to the different chambers groups, the same places that we go to find applicants for our um, education program, we go there mm-hmm. to see if they can help us to get research mm-hmm. or to find so that we can perhaps get research on their constituents and then give back a little bit mm-hmm. to their community. Mm-hmm. Great. And you are part of the Stanford Graduate School of Business or you are a different entity? Yes, so with the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative mm-hmm. is a collaboration between the Stanford Graduate School of Business mm-hmm. and the nonprofit, the Latino Business Action Network. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, are you you are funded by both? Yes. Yeah, so we have both internal and external funding. So we have funding from the president's office um, here at the university, and also there's great funding that comes through the nonprofit externally for a lot of the research. Good. Mm-hmm. So, and you already have lined up everything for the next cohort, Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship initiative and I suppose you're already starting uh, to take numbers for next year. Yeah, so right now we're in the still in the middle of collecting applications for the newest education cohort. So if anyone out there is interested in applying, mm-hmm. you're welcome to um, you can find the application on the Latino Business Action Network website elban.us and we're, we'll be accepting applications on a rolling basis for that. If you um, are interested in applying, I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. And starting up this summer we'll be collecting more data on entrepreneurs around the country. So are, are you going to keep doing uh, the cohort twice a year? Because last year, the last couple of years was just once a year, but you were starting with a new project. So now you're going to be doing this twice a year. Right. So this is the third 
the third uh, calendar year mm -hmm. that we're working in. And the first year we had one cohort, last year two. This year we're aiming for two again. Oh, we really okay. want to be able to reach as many people as possible. So we're going to keep using our resources and reaching out to as many entrepreneurs as we can to get them through this program. Mm -hmm. And roughly spring and fall every year. Yes, yes. Yes, so this, the cohort coming up will start in the end of April and go through mid-June. And there'll be another one in the fall. The dates are still being determined for that. Good. And uh, do you uh, normally fund also people coming to the state for this? When you select a person, you give them a grant so they can buy tickets and come and stay here? Yeah. So the the uh, education program is based, as we said, off the ed executive education program built here in the business school mm -hmm. by Huggy Rao. And the normal cost to go through this program would be somewhere in the area of like $10,000. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we um, are actually, because we're interested in getting entrepreneurs who are, want to grow their businesses and we don't want money to be an issue, we offer this to entrepreneurs at about $500. Mm -hmm. And we ask that they provide their own transportation to get here. And mm -hmm. mostly we're looking for, um, we're looking for U.S.-based companies. Mm -hmm. um, so having offices elsewhere is okay, but we really want to grow the U.S. Latino entrepreneur ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We're concentrating there at the moment. And you're already targeting businesses that have at least $500,000 to $1 million yes. uh, on yes. growth. Yes, or $1 million uh, in revenue. Funded, mm -hmm. so they should be able to, mm -hmm. to come. Yeah, and if there are any questions about about qualifications, like we're always open to, to talking mm -hmm. to people. And like we really want to get, and if you aren't right for this cohort, apply mm -hmm. next time. If you don't get accepted this time, apply next time, please. It's becoming a much more competitive process, mm -hmm. which is exciting for us to see that many entrepreneurs in wanting to get involved and wanting to expand their businesses. Mm -hmm. But we can only have so many people in each cohort since we do want to make it a, a situation where people can connect with their, their fellow mm -hmm. cohort members and have that, that small feeling of community stuff. Well, I hope to, to have you guys here again with more interesting news and more research. And uh, we are definitely going to stay in contact with, uh, with you guys. Great. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. And this was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford, 90.1 FM. A window to the Latin universe. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. Atenea Americana from Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.